Coming up on This Week in Games, the FTC holds a public event on loot box regulation. President Trump offers up the game industry as a scapegoat, and China may be the future destination for esports. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and it was unfortunately a very serious week in the game industry, specifically two events, a regulatory event and a response to a shooting by our sitting president. (sighs) I wish the heaviest subject I had to cover on this week in games was the CEO of Riot dry humping and farting on employees, but alas, here we are, so let's get into it. The FTC holds regulatory event titled, quote, Inside the Game, Unlocking the Consumer Issues Surrounding Loot Boxes. So this event was attended by a collection of academics, developers, industry association members, and my favorite term, watchdogs, which means people that complain for a living. (laughs) The goal is to prioritize any regulatory initiatives, as well as provide guidance to developers and consumers. Now, there's some major, I don't know, events initiatives on both sides of the aisle so let's kick it off with our favorite the esa um esa chief policy council michael warneck dropped a bombshell stating that nintendo sony and microsoft will disclose loot box odds by the end of 2020 now even bigger the esa followed this up with an updated list that includes almost kind of the who's who of game publishing and development activision blizzard Bando Namkai Entertainment, Bethesda, Bungie, Electronic Arts, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony Interactive Entertainment, Take-Two Interactive, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, and Wizards of the Coast. Everyone will be disclosing loot box odds by the end of 2020. So, another interesting uh, presentation, the IGDA Executive Director, Renee Giddens, brought up the association's call to self-regulate loot boxes, something they've been pushing for kind of since 2018. I think the IGDA really sees this regulation coming and would prefer the industry take the initiative self-regulate, kind of like the ESRB um, was created to do back in the 90s when games rating came to be. So, uh, still hasn't happened, so we're here now. One of the biggest proponents against loot boxes was the VP of Public Policy, Telecommunications and Fraud at the National Consumers League. I don't know what that is. I don't think it's a, I think that's a watchdog. Um, John Brailt. And to be honest, he actually brought up some good opposition points. So his main takeaway was when you buy a booster, booster pack of Magic Gatherings cards, the odds are fixed. You know you're getting one rare, three uncommons, whatever commons. Um, they're fixed. And then the odds of the rare being a super rare, maybe one in 12, the odds of a rare being an ultra rare or whatever the rarity is, might be like one in 64, but the odds are consistent. You always know that you're going to get one rare and your odds of these ever increasing rarities um, are fixed. Now, when you buy a loot box, you don't have those guarantees and the odds can be personalized, aka manipulated to cause you personally to spend the most money you can without you even knowing it. So your odds of getting an ultra rare and an online magic gathering pack of cards, not 
that this happens in Magic the Gathering Online, but your odds might be actually different than your friend's odds or might change depending on anything like the day of the week or maybe if you buy one pack and you get an ultra rare, then they automatically knock your odds of getting a second ultra rare all the way down. There's no regulation, there's no oversight, and there's no no way that the consumer can know that these odds aren't actually consistent, that they're fluid. Now, unfortunately, the ESA made some blunders. So the ESA's counter to some of Braille's points were pretty terrible. Warnecker's response about obscuring prices was particularly bad. Here's a quote. Quote, but there's another reason too, and that's to preserve preserve narrative integrity our members try to create games that are engaging and are true to their world say you had a game set in ancient egypt and you wanted to buy a chariot for a big combat that was going to come up and you went to the marketplace in thebes you would not want to buy a chariot for two dollars and fifty cents us it would be a little jolting and a little odd so the publishers make it historically appropriate monetary currency such as debon of copper which would fit more with the game <sighs> That's pretty terrible. Here's another Warnick response about personalized, ever-changing, data-driven drop rates. Quote, what I can say on those dynamic drop rates is that there's a lot of innocuous uses for those that are perfectly legitimate. For instance, in a sports game, that's mimicked on real-world sports teams. You would want to have the players continually update its stats. If you had a baseball player that had a really good month of gameplay, their overall ranking would go up over time, and that ranking goes up, so will they move into higher levels of rarity, and that's perfectly acceptable. In fact, if you had a sports team game you didn't continue to update to reflect that, consumers would be upset. That's pretty shitty. So this, like, what the ESA is doing doesn't help the situation at all. And I wish the ESA would just own it because they're just bullshitting. And don't bullshit that you're using the same techniques that casinos use. Like, we all know it. Like, so why even lie about it? And so his first point about using whatever deb in a copper casinos make you exchange cash for chips for a number of reasons. There's security reasons for real. But it's also because if you had a $100 bill and you just put it on the table and then you lost it in three seconds of a roulette spin, you'd feel like shit. You probably wouldn't want to put any more $100 bills on the table. But if you exchange $500 for chips and then you lost two $50 chips, what's a chip? Like you already exchanged the money, okay? So you're not looking at real money. You don't have the association with this particular casino's chips that you do with a $100 bill. And so that's one of the main reasons why, you know, you have to exchange money in the currencies. There's other reasons, too. Um, and then about a second point, really, like, so personalizing drop odds for players, you're going to use the sports analogy. Come on. Come on, man. Drop rates are dynamic to maximize revenue and engagement so developers can constantly run experiments on users. <laughs> to do those two things. So don't act like this is some innocent developer technique used to mimic real world occurrences. There are lots of presentations. Uh, the big one was that watchdog group and the IGDA and the ESA. Um, there's one academic in particular who kind of went off the rails, Dr. David Zindel of York St. John University. And he gave a prolonged presentation on loot boxes and grabbed some headlines saying it was a matter of life and death. Um, and associate loot boxes to both addictions and gambling. Although this presentation had great points, 
The problem is the data still doesn't show the exact meaning of the relationship between loot boxes and gambling or addiction. So you can't give super black and white statements like this is a matter of life and death and then go up there, give a giant presentation of your opinion, and then at the end go, well, we don't really have the exact meaning of the relationship down, but uh, this is what we think it is. It doesn't help, okay? Which brings me to my final point. We can make these decisions uh, in the game industry. We make these decisions in the game industry on purpose, right? Okay, so we choose to have you exchange money for in-game premium currencies, to lock in your money in there. And so you don't feel as bad spending like a dollar because you lost a Candy Crush Saga game because you're not spending a dollar, you're spending whatever the premium currency is. Okay, we've copied the casino industry with a lot of what we do with loot boxes and how decisions are made. And it's very obvious and as an industry, we shouldn't lie about it. However, on the flip side, there's no scientifically accepted data showing that loot boxes are causing epidemic gambling. Millions of people interact with loot boxes on a daily basis and do not spend their entire paycheck on them or die, as Dr. Zelnick tried to point out. So government regulators, watchdogs, and academics need to also be honest about what their findings are and stop sensationalizing them. It doesn't help both sides to go up there and lie, okay? The ESA, we're not stupid, so don't make us look stupid as game developers. And then also these watchdogs and academics, you guys, it almost comes out like you're just trying to grab headlines, you know? I think there's easy middle ground to fix this problem. And honestly, think it just takes a few slight tweaks and frankly, the mechanic hopefully will take care of itself, okay? So having consistent odds, posting the odds, and letting people know what they're doing, I, I really think it's going to take care of itself. So following the hearings, there are a number of press releases and communication pieces released by game publishers and developers. Now, two of the most interesting that I picked out were THQ Nordic. THQ Nordic said, quote, We do not plan to implement casino-style mechanics in our games. I got to applaud them for that. That's amazing. They just flat out came out and said it. Casino style mechanics. That's that's a great term and good job THQ Nordic. Epic Games also came out and stated going forward we are committed to the same transparency for player purchases in all Epic Games title and they were alluding to Fortnite and Rocket League loot box transparency so they're going to do that for all of the Epic Games titles. They were asked whether they're going to enforce it across their digital platform. I'm sure they're in talks to do that right now. All right, going from one serious subject to another, President Donald Trump took aim at violent video games as a catalyst for the two shootings that occurred this week. So uh, the president responded with this, quote, we must stop the glorification of violence in our society. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. It's too easy today for troubled youth to surround themselves with a culture that celebrates violence. We must stop and substantially reduce this and it has to begin immediately. Cultural change is hard, but each of us can choose to bring, build a culture that celebrates the inherent worth and dignity of every human life. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone because Trump tweeted in December 2012, quote, video game violence and glorification must be stopped. It is creating monsters. And what is that? Why December 2012? Well, that was when the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting happened. So it's he's kind of been using video games as I don't, ugh, I hate the word scapegoat, but as a causation for shootings for many, many, many years. The ESA issued a bunch of statements and the same arguments and points that have been made since kind of the late 80s were resurrected once again. 
I'm not going to bother going into them. I honestly think the first story bored everyone enough already, and you can just look these up online. Unfortunately, this has caused a bit of an industry fallout. So first up, ESPN and ABC pulled the plug on showing Apex Legend in its television debut. So ESPN and ABC were scheduled to show highlights from the Apex Legends EXP Invitational on Saturday and Sunday, but dropped the program in the wake of the shootings. Also, Walmart has planned to take down violent or anything deemed as aggressive video game demos or displays or visuals in general in any of its stores. So... I understand the frustrations on both sides. People are looking for something to blame for these horrible events that are happening more and more often. It's very easy to point at video games. I mean, and I, I even argue this, like, more so than movies and television, video games are kind of reinforcing the habit of violence in an abstracted way, right? So when you watch a movie, you're passively watching it, right? But when you play a video game, you're actively engaged. And yes you shoot someone over and over again in Call of Duty, I'm not going to say it numbs you to violence or trains you to use violence to solve your problems. There's probably something to it, right? But I do think your brain is abstracting this out so much. I mean, it's a graphical representation on a television or computer monitor. It's not something in the real world. Like, I don't play Railroad Tycoon and magically think I have an executive MBA and transportation operations, right? You know, I mean, the, let's think about it the other way around. So if we're saying video games train you to be violent, okay, I play a bunch of nonviolent games. Do I get better at what skills those games are portraying? And the argument's no, okay? Or else every classroom, we would just be playing math video games instead of actually doing math homework. So I see both sides. Um... It's just unfortunate all around. All right, let's kick off why we're here. Some business news. All right, we only have one positive story of the week for business news as well. And let's kick it off. NetEase is planning on dropping over $700 million on a new Shanghai-based esports stadium. That's right, you heard it. Over $700 million to build an entire esports park in the Queen... Qingpu district of Shanghai. It will feature training facilities, areas for game development, and of course, arenas for esports. NetEase owns the rights to StarCraft in China. They also own the Battle Royale game Knives Out, which is on mobile, and they own the Overwatch League team Shanghai Dragons. So I can assume the Shanghai Dragons will be there, StarCraft will be there. Tencent owns League of Legends and Honor of Kings. So be interesting to see if they work together anyways because this is such a massive kind of esports park if Tencent's willing to let League of Legends tournaments happen there. I say they will. Can't wait to see the first kind of ch first take at China's large-scale esports park cuz if you look at how China does anything, they go in hard. I mean, look at the Beijing Olympics from many 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 years ago. They kind of just like over almost overnight felt like Beijing was converted into this massive Olympic park. They can do the same thing for esports. So let's get it, China. All right, let's get some bad news. We got three sad stories. First up, VReal, a VR streaming platform, shuts down and lays off its entire staff. I've covered VReal before. It was a streaming platform where like you could share virtual realities with each other so I could build a room with games and share them with my friends and we could all play in the room that I built. Um, VRO raised nearly $15 million in 2015. 
and shuts down because they said VR does not have a market to support its streaming cooperative environment. So that's unfortunate, and it's just it's just terrible. Like, that's $15 million down the drain. VR kind of not doing well. <laughs> Next up, Annapurna Pictures, parent company to the indie publisher Annapurna Interactive, is exploring bankruptcy. And this is terrible news, people. This is terrible. I'm really upset. For those of you who don't know, Annapurna Interactive is like the king of high-quality indie games. And these are games that push boundaries, kind of explore what games can be. And, you know, when we have like the IGF or even the GDC awards, these are the games that are taken home most of the titles. So let's just look at like a high-level list of some of the games Annapurna Interactive has published. What Remains of Edith Finch, Flower, Garogua, Gone Home, Ashen, Outer Wilds, Journey, Telling Lies in 12 Minutes. I'm hoping for the best here. At least someone take up the mantle, and if things do in fact go south, take these games and what Annapurna, Annapurna Interactive was trying to do. And I'd honestly wonder if Annapurna Interactive was actually cash flow positive itself, and it's just the overall Annapurna pictures going bankrupt. It just sucks. All right, and the last story, very strange. Nexon is closing two of its California offices, but has acquired a Swedish development studio. So first up, Nexon M. I covered this uh, a few weeks back. Nexon M, a mogul-focused studio in the Bay Area, closed earlier this month and is now following by the shuttering of the Division Partners office in L.A., yeah, last year, Nexon cut an estimated 20% of its North American workforce and has pulled out of America specifically, but says its Western expansion isn't done because the Korean publisher has acquired more stock in Embark Studios, which it now has the option to purchase the rest of the company. So what does that mean? Nexon had a bunch of uh, California-based studios and offices and partnerships and so on and so on. They've kind of just slowly been gutting their California and their American presence in general. And now they're turning to this uh, Swedish developer who hasn't even released a game as their new kind of like expansion to the West. So Embark Studios was founded by former EA executive Patrick Soderlund in Stockholm, Sweden. Embark Studios has yet to announce the title as far as I know, and it's very strange that they got bought outright at this stage. So I actually covered when Nexon first took, I think they took, uh, it was under 33% of the stock, I think, because now they own over 33% of the stock. And a lot of companies is common if a single buyer owns over 33% of the stock, then they either have the option to outright buy the rest of the stock in the company and take it over officially, or they're forced to do it, or the board has to vote on whether to let this company have controlling interests. Um, so I don't know what the exact situation is here, but this is kind of what you saw with Vivendi and Ubisoft back in the day. So very interesting. Don't know what Nexon's doing, but you know, as <laughs> they had that giant... Um, sell-off last year didn't actually happen who knows who knows what nexon's doing i i clearly don't all right unfortunately that's this week in games you know <laughs> it wasn't the most positive one let's keep our heads up let's keep grinding let's release great games and let's turn this industry around all right i'm eric mcconnell i'll see you guys later bye